My name is Shireen Chan and I am an Associate Professor at the Medical University of South Carolina and I am also a co-founder of Neuroin Therapeutics. Shireen is one of those people. You know, brilliant, driven, passionate. They are the quiet, modest and often unknown people that drive society forward. You never hear about them or hear from them. They let their work do the talking as they slowly mint history, advancing humanity forward one innovation at a time. I'm reminded of Katherine Johnson, a retired NASA mathematician whose story was told in the book and film Hidden Figures. She recently turned 101. If you don't know who Katherine Johnson is, that wouldn't surprise me, but your life has been touched by her work. Johnson was a math whiz who was instrumental in many NASA achievements. She calculated the path of Alan Shepard's historic 1961 flight when he became the first American to reach space. She also verified calculations a computer had made for John Glenn's equally historic first orbital mission. And then there was Apollo. Her calculations helped bring man to the moon. Shireen fits the same mold. You meet her and immediately realize she is all in on her mission. In fact, she sums it up best. Um, I moved halfway across the world for the love of mitochondria. Shireen works at the small scale, but if successful, it could mean relief for those affected by diseases like epilepsy and Parkinson's. Her work could be another giant leap for mankind. This is Of Note a podcast on innovation. I'm Laura Quarter, Managing Director of South Carolina Department of Commerce's Office of Innovation. And I'm Joseph Nuther, co-founder of Design Sensory and Pop Fizz. We're talking to some of the most interesting minds in the South. They're hands-on, they're driven, and they're sharing their notes on invention, funding, entrepreneurship, growth, and so much more. Today we are in the uh, SCRA Innovation Building, um, the SCRA Innovation Building on Meeting Street in downtown Charleston, and this is where we have our labs. Lab 10 is where Neuroin Therapeutics resides. Yeah. Sitting here in this lab, or her role as a teacher, wasn't always a part of Shireen's plans. Uh, no, I didn't always know <laughs> that I wanted to teach. I'm from Australia, and I did my undergraduate degree uh, in science. And uh, then I did an honours year, which is a research year, and that's how I became interested in mitochondria, which are the powerhouses of the cell. They make all the energy for the cell. That's what I knew I wanted to do. So I was born in a very small town in Western Australia. It's a small gold mining town. And uh, I lived there for most of my life, up until the age of about 26, I guess. Well, I also lived in the UK for a bit uh, for my PhD. Then I moved to Research Triangle Park, where I worked at the National Institutes of Environmental Health Sciences, a subset of the NIH, and worked on uh, mitochondrial research there, looking at mitochondrial diseases. Yeah, looking at a lot of patient studies, as well as animal studies, and also in vitro studies in the test tube. Then after that, I came here to uh, work at MUSC. I moved to South Carolina, in particular MUSC, because there, at the time, there are lots of people doing mitochondrial research. And even now, there's a lot of really big names in mitochondrial research here in, at MUSC. From Australia to London to South Carolina, 
Along Shireen's global academic journey, she had found her passion for mitochondria. After spending a few years in research, Shireen and a colleague had stumbled onto something interesting, something worth building a company around. So Neuroin Therapeutics is a spin-out company uh, that we uh, developed out of our research, our academic research from MUSC. So we, um, we started it in 2015, um, and this was born out of a discovery that we made uh, around about 2011 at MUSC. And so we, uh, we discovered that small vitamin K-like compounds, so basically they protect the mitochondria uh, and they protect neuronal health. So they make the, uh, make the cells live longer. So basically we're, we saw that in animal studies that uh, they're efficacious for reducing seizures in epilepsy and also uh, decreasing the uh, level of neuronal loss in Parkinson's disease. And we've also seen that uh, some of our compounds are really good for rare mitochondrial disease as well. So our goal of our research is to develop these compounds for different neurological diseases. So we've got a platform of uh, vitamin K analogs. There are certain compounds that are better for epilepsy and certain compounds that are good for Parkinson's disease, for example. And so what we're doing now is we're starting off with epilepsy. We've got NIH funding, phase two SBIR business funding. And uh, so we're now determining what the lead compound is to hopefully be used in humans. And uh, our next disease is Parkinson's disease. And so we've got a compound that we want to tweak to make it better and uh, also to hopefully develop it for human use as well. Much of Neuroween's research focuses on mitochondrial health. Laura, what is what is what are mitochondria? Yeah, so for a lot of you, what might have first come to mind is is that they are the powerhouse of the cell. They turn sugar, fat, and proteins that we eat into forms of chemical energy that we need to live on a daily basis. Uh, but they also do more than produce energy. They're also responsible for producing chemicals that our bodies need for the purposes of breaking down waste products uh, so they're less harmful and that they can be recycled and create even more energy. So what happens if if you've got problems with your mitochondria or if you've got some kind of mitochondrial disease? So... Bad stuff happens, and that's why it's awesome that we have people like Shireen in the state that are trying to solve this. Uh, so when the mitochondrial fail, symptoms can include things like learning disabilities, even heart, liver, and kidney disease, uh, neurological problems like seizures, even migraines, respiratory. I mean, the list can kind of go on and on and on, and it's right. almost like, oh, you don't realize how much that little thing, that real powerhouse is doing for us. So, and I, I believe Shireen sort of focuses on two key and well-known problems, right, that, that her research is at least trying to combat? Yeah, uh, epilepsy and Parkinson's disease. So just you know, how much of a problem is epilepsy? One in 26 people suffer from it. And even with Parkinson's, news to me, it is 14th of uh, leading cause of death in the US. Neuroine Therapeutics, is they're trying to develop safe drugs to solve those problems. They're, they're doing that through a special vitamin K compound. Shireen told us more about these special compounds including how they work and what else they could be used to treat. Yeah, so this is the cool thing about our compounds, right? We know from the literature that uh, there's a certain type of vitamin K that is absolutely needed for neuronal health. And the way it works is that it protects the mitochondria, protects those powerhouses 
uh, that make the energy for the cell, right? And so that is not the same type of vitamin K that we get from our diet. So vitamin Ks you can get from green leafy vegetables, you can get it from animal products, you can get it from fermented foods. So you take it into your body, but then that, these vitamin Ks need to be processed and they need to be transported. And once they're into the specific neuron itself, it needs to be also metabolized as well. So what we see is that our vitamin K analogs, they're really small. So they directly penetrate the blood-brain barrier. They get into the cells in the brain. And so that's how they work. So instead of having to do all that transport and metabolism, it goes straight to the brain. And as you get older, your pools of vitamin K actually get smaller. But one of the things that's, that links all of these neurological diseases is that the mitochondria tend to fail in a lot of these diseases. And so if you can protect your mitochondria, protect them, enable them to make enough energy for, for health. So the brain requires a lot of energy for its function, right? And uh, the mitochondria, unfortunately, when they become dysfunctional, they also produce a lot of oxidative stress, a lot of free radicals and those kinds of things. And so um, these compounds also help to decrease the production of those kind of compounds, yeah. But when did Shireen know it was time to start a company? Uh, James and I, so we're co-founders, right? So basically we started in the Department of Drug Discovery at MUSC around the same time in 2009. And so he's a medicinal chemist and I'm a biologist. And we had talked about different, uh, different research projects that we could potentially work on together. And so there was this little grant uh, that was available at the time. And basically it required two people who were of different backgrounds to come together and collaborate. And so we devised a, a little proposal that is to test HDAC inhibitors, different types of inhibitors on a zebrafish model of epilepsy. And so basically we thought that someone would have already done this, uh, or at least one of the big companies would have done this by now, but no. So James's background is on these particular inhibitors. So we tested maybe 10 of these specific inhibitors and one of them really worked. And so James, he's the chemist. So basically he saw that the central moiety of our lead compound or hit of that hit looked like vitamin K. So we tested vitamin K, different versions of vitamin K, vitamin K1, K2, K3, and K3 works the best. So it's the smallest vitamin K. Different vitamin K analogs were made, so they're very small, and we tested them on the zebrafish model of uh, seizures. So basically it's, uh, you've got these little baby fish in a plate, you put uh, a compound that you want to test, and then also you put a compound that will cause them to have seizures. And so what we can do is we can measure how much uh, seizure activity they're going to have, how much distance that they move in the little well. And so what we saw was that these little vitamin K analogs, they seem to work on preventing them from having these seizures, which is really cool. And so the NIH has this free, free program to test compounds that you might have discovered in mouse models. And so these, these can be very expensive, these models. And so um, we interviewed with them and they looked through their database and they didn't see any compounds that were like ours. So they tested them and our best hit in the fish actually was the best hit in the mouse models for epilepsy that they had, which is really cool. And so because there's about 40% of the people who have epilepsy have medication resistance, which means that the current drugs on the market, they don't work for these patients 
or they have so many side effects that you just can't take them. So it's a big population of people. It's about a million people in the US alone. So yeah, so that's how we got started, by getting money from the NIH, as well as getting money from the SCRA, the South Carolina Research Authority. We've been able to take that hit and develop it and optimize it such that um, hopefully uh, we'll find a compound that can be used in humans. After the break, more on how Shireen and her business partner got Nerwin off the ground and the importance of companies born inside of universities. This podcast is part of Scribble, South Carolina's voice of innovation. We celebrate and support the innovative activity across the state by connecting people to people. Visit ScribbleSC.com for exclusive interviews, tools, and resources. That's ScribbleSC.com. Okay, Joseph, I am going to nerd out a bit and actually dive into you know, why university spinouts are actually really important for our economy and, and and even a little bit of what actually built the Silicon Valley. Uh, so back in the, the early uh, 1950s, the federal government was really making some large investments uh, in research, mainly surrounding a lot of our um, our military and our defense programs, specifically uh, the NSA, the CIA. You know, we were we were still at war. We were in the Korean War, uh, and so they had technology needs for for combat. Uh, so while a lot of that was happening, uh, Stanford also was starting to just build a culture in general and creating those pathways to motivate their researchers to actually start building small businesses out of the things they were creating in the labs, just mm-hmm. like Shireen has been doing. It's it's not long before you start seeing companies like the historic Vereens um, uh, being founded. So now we're about the mid-50s. A name some of you might recognize is William Shockley. Uh, He ran military research for over a decade and most notably co-invented the transistor, a Nobel Prize winning um, invention, and and would come to the Bay Area and created Shockley Semiconductor. Mm the first semiconductor company. Uh, and to kind of condense a lot of, of drama, they would eventually become known as the Shockley's treacherous eight employees. Famously, they, they left to start Fairchild. And actually from that, to this day, they helped spawn 60 plus chip companies well before Apple even existed. So by the mid 50s, the first Silicon Valley IPOs like Varian and HP begin. And that is now attracting risk capital from the East Coast to the the Bay Area. And now we now we're starting to see the first ever angel investing starting to happen. Uh, So now even government is trying to fuel that even more. They see this as as a positive thing. and, And so even the SBA, the Small Business Administration created a two to one fund matching program to encourage venture capital. Um, so now we're, we're, we're getting into the, the 70s. The government slashed capital gains taxes and allowed pension funds to start investing in venture funds. So now, now we're starting to create a market for not just the government to be participating, but for investors and the private industry to be fueling this, this effort. And so um, this has now created an inflection point for venture capital, and it grew tenfold, almost overnight. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, during this period, starting with the close of, of World War II to the late 70s, the U.S. government created the idyllic economic conditions for technology innovation and commercialization to thrive. Right. So, you know, we've got about, you know, this, this 
20, 30 year time frame that really all set the perfect stage for the next wave in technology, you know, the dot-com era, the internet, but more importantly, an ecosystem with a scientific approach to entrepreneurship that destigmatized failure. So my takeaway from that, Laura, is that, that at least starting in the 50s and, and really powering us now for, for almost 60, 70 years, government has had a foundational relationship with basic research and with entrepreneurship in the sense that they have stimulated a lot of the exploration for this um, and continue to do so today. And I mean, I guess even if you look at it from an educational standpoint, the, the, the United States higher education system is government funded to a large degree too. So yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I think I feel like a lot of people assume that even my daily work is to sit a lot with entrepreneurs and kind of the tech startup scene, which don't get me wrong, I, I do all the time and I love it. But honestly, it's really uh, the, the research institutions that I try to really help encourage and find how to best plug them in more and more into this innovation process. Because our history is showing us they are really the powerhouse of what fuels innovation. Right. And I mean, and, and for Neuroween and Shireen, uh, well, they, they, I believe they're working on a grant from NIH mm-hmm. and uh, also SBIR funding too, right? Yeah, exactly. How, how do you go about getting the money, the, the funding? How do you get the money? Yeah, yeah. You have to write grants, or at least that's what we've been doing, yeah. Most of our money is from grant funding. It's been from the National Institutes of Health. They have a, um, an institute called the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke, and they're very interested in neurodegenerative diseases like epilepsy, like Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, yeah. And uh, they have been very, very supportive of us. Um, so we've gotten two grants from them, two business grants, and the second grant that we recently got is for two years and it's for $1.5 million. So it's a substantial amount of money that's enabling us to get to that next, next step. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that you should do is get help. So we had never written business grants before. We've written um, academic research grants. It's a whole different ballgame. So you really have to understand what the product is and think more business, which we are not, well, we were not trained as business people. So we had to really focus on the product and the milestones and the sorts of things that they're, they're more interested in, the people reviewing the grant. So we had a lot of people read our grant and also people to help us write the grant too, yeah, or critique the grant. Yeah. So this facility here, the um, SCRA Innovation Building, has been really quite good for us. Not only do we collaborate with some of the people that uh, we share space with, but we also have been talking to other companies talking to them about how how they have garnered money and how they do their day-to-day business and that kind of thing. So it's been a really good way to learn. I actually want to give a big shout out to uh, the Medical University of South Carolina or MUSC's Research Foundation. Uh, not only does their leader, Michael Resnick, serve on an advisory council for me, but their, their group as a whole just really advocate uh, for innovation. And they, the, the foundation itself serves to facilitate the translation of all of MUSC's discoveries into products and services for the public's benefit and to promote regional economic growth, job creation, and just the formation of university startups like Shireen's. The foundation itself works along with companies like Shireen's uh, to help them advance their ideas, navigate the patent process, go through grant writing, and even market their technology.
Neuroween has benefited from not only the facilities available to the company, but also the strong support system and by being surrounded by other entrepreneurs with a common goal. However, Shireen mentioned some challenges she had to overcome on her own, especially in the world of science. A failure that we've overcome. I'm not sure if I've overcome it yet, uh, but, <laughs> um, but a few years ago um, at MUSC, uh, there was a primed program that was, that was run for people who are starting their own startup uh, companies out of their academic research. I think it was the first day, first or second day, because it was week a weekly course. And basically, we had to go and give a 10-minute pitch. Everybody's was terrible, basically, because we always focus on the science. You know, we're always talking about the nitty-gritty and all the little little things on our graph and whatnot. So basically, what we learned um, over the course of the next few weeks, as well as from our mentors that uh, were part of that program, learned how to condense that down. Um, I don't know if I'm perfect yet. I would say no. but. Uh, gotten better at trying to answer what I think the audience wants to hear and not so much the nitty-gritty, you know, too verbose type thing. Yeah, the pitch seems to be such a struggle whether or not you're a super heavy scientist or if it's technology, whatever it is, it's just it's hard to condense in just a handful of slides what you're doing, your value proposition, the awesome team you've assembled. And, and so actually, we've uh, this is something my office has been looking at to try and figure out how to help our entrepreneurs with. And we partnered uh, this past year with Venture Carolina and building out an actual pitch studio. Or nor or cool. more. Yeah, it is actually really cool. Um, it's a, obviously a physical space that entrepreneurs from across the state can go to and actually uh, do presentations, recordings, and even host live meetings. Do they so, get feedback? Yeah, so that's the other big piece of it. So aside from you know this really high production uh, quality of, of, of what they can do there, they've got a whole group of people that will rally around them and actually give them really great feedback. And they're all investors themselves. So this is coming from the mindset of an actual investor. You know, how, how do you need to organize your pitch deck? Uh, so I actually really encourage anybody to go to VentureCarolina.org uh, and you can see more about it and actually schedule time with them. And if you're not in South Carolina, you know, go look for other resources out there that could help you with, with the pitch. Laura and I have seen this with so many of these episodes and conversations with people. How you communicate your ideas is so paramount to your success because if you cannot work with other people or inspire other people to even listen to what you have to say, you're just not going to get anywhere. So, you know, do take the time to do that wherever you may be. And of course, if you're in Greenville or in South Carolina, they've got very specific resources for you. As for where Neroween currently stands. So our goal right now is to find a partner, to find an investor, which would be great. If we go the traditional NIH funding route, uh, we've gotten the phase one business grant. We've now gotten our phase two business grant. The third one is a phase two B business grant. And this is for three years, up to $3 million. But one of the provisos on that is that you need to find someone who will match those funds. That is our next goal: is to find an investor who will help us with this. Can you? So it sounds like you need to find another three million. That would be nice. Yeah, two to three million would be great. <laughs> What's that? So I think I've only got a couple hundred bucks. On yeah. Well, he'll contribute a few hundred. He says. <laughs> oh, that sounds great. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, <we'll be> <laughs> Before we let Shireen go, we wanted her take on how she stays innovative and motivated. Yeah, I would say keep an open mind. I think that if you have an idea and you think it's a good idea, just go for it. Um, if you can do it, go for it. 
And uh, that's basically what we've been doing, we, um, as long as we had the funding. So what motivates me to go forward is that if an idea sounds bright, if it sounds exciting, and it sounds um, like a good way forward, yeah. Uh -huh. As an Australian, we also wanted her opinion on Charleston. I lived in Charleston for 10 years now, so I came here in 2009. And uh, I like living downtown, um, and MUSC is downtown, and this place is downtown, so it's very easy to walk around everywhere. Um, I really like that, I like not having to drive and park. Yeah, I have got one good friend who's, at a, um, I would say, is a Charlestonian, and he's introduced me to many, uh, many native Charlestonians. And uh, yeah, they like the good life, they, um, they really know how to party, they really know how, uh, where the good places to eat, and, uh, and uh, yeah, they're very social and uh, I like hanging out with them. And humorously, coming from Australia has helped her in her daily life and in her pursuit of innovation. Um, one funny answer that I was thinking about what I couldn't live without, and I think that it has helped me at least, is uh, my accent. Uh, people always come and talk to me, and, or at least they are more interested in talking to me after I've opened my mouth. So that's been helpful to make conversation and to get things started. I'm Shireen, and those were my notes on innovation. This has been Of Note, a podcast that gets up close and personal with innovative people so we can learn from their successes and failures. I'm Joseph Nuther. And I'm Laura Quarter. Of Note is an original production by the South Carolina Department of Commerce's Office of Innovation and Design Sensory. Our producer and editor is Hunter Foster. Our sound engineer is Mike Deering with original music by Matt Honkinen. Check out more interviews, our blog and resource area at scribblesc.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Ready, Set, Scribble. If you enjoyed the show, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Until next time, keep pursuing your transformational ideas. Next time on Of Note. We go with pirates. So I like the idea that we are trying to steal business and then we share the booty. <laughs> so I've done a profit share every quarter since the inception, down to the last person in the business. That's saying, hey, we, all, we win, we all win. We lose, I guess just I lose, because I don't call it back. But we've always been growing and making money in that. So that type of mentality and culture, when we end a meeting, I'll always say, so I got 130 people now. We have a pizza party, I'll give a little rebel rousing speech. We always end it with one, two, three, arg!